Ladies and gentlemen, kicking off the first stop on his world tour, our new president and prophet, Russell M. Nelson! You say you want some revelation, well, here you go. It's gonna blow your freaking mind. Hey, greetings, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the weekly Mormon News Roundup, where Dives and Al ruminate on the great and spacious beehive. This week is December 4th, 2022, episode 36 coming at you. We have a special guest here. Jim Bennett is our co-host today. We're glad to have him. Um, This week, we're going to be discussing the Colorado LDS shooting aftermath, the giant golden Joseph Smith statue unveiled in India, Stanford mocks Mormons during BYU football game halftime show, and BYU-Idaho has puzzlingly fired professors. So um, we got a lot of news this week that's kind of covering the last two weeks because we took uh, the week of Thanksgiving off, but we are back. Welcome back, d Hey, I'm thrilled to be here, and I'd like to uh, welcome Jim Bennett. Uh, welcome to the Mormon News Roundup, Jim. Thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity. Hey, very we're thrilled to so. have you here. I loved you in the uh, Home Teachers movie. Hope you, hopefully you're still getting a huge royalty check from that film. I made $200. Uh, for two days' work. And, Not bad. Uh, it, well, the movie's bad, but the money is was fine. The guy... Uh, who, I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Well, the director was in my ward, and he came up to me at Elders Quorum once and said, Hey, Jim, I've got a part for you in my next movie. It's a total burnout. You're perfect for it. So, you know, like take that. that for what you will. It was a lot of fun. Oh, I had a great time. Well, you you parlayed that into a, a very successful political career, so I, I see that it was the stepping stone towards something great. Well, I've run for office three times and lost three times, so if that's a successful political career, I'd hate to see what a failed political career would look like. <laughs> now, I guess you're probably the best known for your ambitious uh, CES letter response. Um, how do you feel about uh, Jeremy Reynolds' response to your criticisms, and are you going to respond to Jeremy's quote-unquote debunking? Uh, Jeremy and I have talked about it. I've gotten to know Jeremy and I like Jeremy and I consider Jeremy a friend. Uh, I started going through his debunking of my debunking and it started to feel like going through the fine print on a mortgage loan. It was just so reductive and so in the weeds that what I did was write a, an overview of my response to his debunking. And he tells me he's put that on his site. I haven't gone to look. I just, I'm not particularly interested. If Jeremy wants to have the last word on that, I'm more than welcome to give it to him. Now, you seem to be one of the only so-called apologists uh, who goes on to, uh, you know, quote-unquote hostile programs to take on the difficult questions, kind of like uh, with Bill Real or RFM or Reddit, Ask Me Anything, etc. Uh, why right. is that, and why are you willing to stick your neck out where, you know, what is the saying, where angels uh, tread, uh, you know, angels yeah, uh, fear men, to tread? Yeah, wise men going, fools go where angels fear to tread. I, I am of right. the opinion... Uh, I, I, I sort of stumbled into this. Uh, I didn't mean to sort of be the guy that goes on all of these podcasts. Uh, but I, I'm of the opinion that we have no choice but to engage with critics and to engage with people. Uh, because that's the only way, I think, that we can help people who are in faith crisis. Uh, staying away from it. We act like we have a choice, and we don't. I think 40 years yeah. ago we had a choice when you didn't have the internet. 
and you yeah. can sort of segment these discussions. Uh, but now I just feel like this is something that we ought to be doing more of. And I enjoy doing it. I enjoy having fun discussions. And I've enjoyed everybody I've talked to. I've enjoyed Bill Reel. I've enjoyed John DeLynn. I've enjoyed RFM. Uh, I consider them friends. And uh, I just, I have a good time doing it. I'm glad that you do it, Jim, because uh, that's one thing that we really value on this podcast is keeping the uh, the discussion going. Uh, because as long as we keep talking with each other, sooner or later we're going to come to an understanding. But it's when we stop talking that, you know, then we the problems arise. So how, how do you feel like the conversation is going with uh, with all you of know, these things? It's fascinating to me because I, I I get messages from people who say very nice things. And after I first published my reply to the CES letter, all of them came from faithful members of the church. Since I started talking to Bill Reel and John DeLynn, uh, I've gotten flooded with comments from people who have left the church. And they don't say, hey, Jim, you've convinced me to go back to church. But what they say is, you've helped me to understand my family and friends who are still in. And I take that as a huge mm -hmm. win. I'm really grateful for that. And I have made a lot of wonderful friends of people in the I don't know, what's the proper term? The Exmo community? Yeah, uh, that's probably the best way to call it. The best way to call it. But uh, mm -hmm. I, I really feel like I, I don't remember take, making a covenant to treat people who leave the church like garbage. Mm -hmm. And there are so many people that have decided that's the best way to deal with people who leave the church that I think it's a real problem. And I want to yeah. model better behavior than that. Yeah, I prefer to call it the great and spacious building. That's just great that's, and spacious <laughs> building. Okay, <laughs> that's just yeah. that's just me. Uh, well, yeah, well, Jim, I, I really applaud your efforts, and I, I appreciate the attitude that you have because uh, I think that's going to fit in very well with the with the approach that we take with this podcast. So, yeah, right. is there anything is there anything else, Jim, in your personal beliefs or religious background you want to share before we get started? I believe that William Shakespeare was the pseudonym of Edward de Vere, the 17th Earl of Oxford. There you no. go. <laughs> but what does that have to, how does that reflect on your personal beliefs or religious background? That's not personal sorry. belief. You asked if there's something oh. I know. <laughs> that's what I want people to know. Yeah. Good I answer, I think. That's, that's, uh, that's how, I guess that's how apologists approach everything, right? You know, it's oh, very geez. literal. Well, it's, it's better than saying it was Walter Raleigh, so. No, it wasn't Walter Raleigh. <laughs> No. Let me uh, I just want to share one quick story with you, Jim. Um, I know your father was uh, Senator Bob Bennett, uh, who was a longtime Utah senator, and he was my senator for a number of years. And I served a full-time mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints while he was a senator in Washington, D.C. And uh, one of the uh, ward members that uh, I was in, I was in a particular ward in uh, Northern Virginia, one of the ward members was a big-time lobbyist in Washington, D.C., and he said, hey, elders, you want to um, spend your preparation day and go visit the Capitol building? I'll give you an all-access pass. We'll show you under the tunnels, and I'll show you around. I thought, wow, this is fabulous. And so we did. This, this was a big-time lobbyist guy. And uh, you know what? Unbeknownst to us, he set up an appointment with uh, Senator Bennett, and we got to spend five minutes with your father in his office in the Capitol building. You know, I'm sure he's an extremely busy man, but he took time out of his schedule to meet with us, and uh, we let him know that we're his constituents. And uh, I just thought it was a very generous of him, and it's always a treasured memory. Oh, I appreciate that. I, I love hearing great things about my dad. He was one of the good ones. Sure was. Now, yes, I understand uh, you got the Mormon News joke of the week, uh, right, Jim? Oh, crud. I completely forgot. 
Okay, no, I have one. I have one. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. So it's the BYU U of U football game, and uh, the guy from the U of U is sitting in front of the guy from BYU, and he's cheering and jumping up and down and screaming. And the guy from BYU says, hey, can you sit down? You're blocking my vision. And the U of U guy turns and says, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were having one. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Oh, boy. That's good. That's excellent. All right. Yeah. Uh, just a a couple last uh, notes here before we get into the, this week's news articles. Uh, you know, we had uh, we released the I, I did an uh, sorry I did an interview with the Art of Floundering podcast last week, which we released over Thanksgiving. So if you haven't gone back, I'd encourage you to do that. And I also went on a church history tour. Uh, we took a family vacation over Thanksgiving, and uh, we spent uh, quite a bit of time up there in Palmyra and got to visit the uh, print shop and the Joseph Smith uh, frame house and the. Uh, we got to visit all the sites, the temple up there and all uh, all kinds of different things. And it was a really fascinating uh, trip. I've never been there before. And I want to mm-hmm. give uh, props to Elder Smith, who was at the Grandin Print Shop. He was a family favorite. I thought he did a fantastic job. Uh, he gave our family, only all five of us, a mini tour. Um, and I just was uh, I was thrilled by his uh, his rendition and his uh, tour. Uh, my uh, one mm-hmm. amusing anecdote I want to share is my son. When we were at the Hill Camorra, we climbed all the way to the top, and he said, "Dad, how come we haven't found that cement box that held the Book of Mormon? Uh, has anybody looked for that?" And I just kind of I just kind of looked at him and said, "You know, that's a good question, son. I wonder about that." <laughs> but we had a good time about it. Well, yeah. that sounds like a lot of fun. It was. Yeah, I'm glad you had a good time. Well, are we ready to get to it? You bet. All right, I'm going to head up with our first article for the week. This one comes from lbc.co.uk, and uh, this is from the 24th of November of this month. This is a little bit of a review of uh, what happened the week of Thanksgiving. Um, The title of the article is Porn Star, Meth Addict Dad of Alleged LGBT Club uh, Killer is, quote, relieved uh, that his son is not gay and says that, quote, violence works. Uh, this is by Kit Heron. The, um, this article is uh, the, the, there's also a link in the show notes to um, let's see TikTok as uh, is the format where uh, you have a little uh, clip of the interview with the dad and boy yeah this guy you can see the effects that methamphetamines has had on him it's really rough. Um, let's see the father is um, Aaron Brink of Anderson Lee Aldrich was the the, the name of the shooter and um, said that his son was, uh, he confirms that he raises his son uh, LDS, that uh, he was raised Mormon. Um, but he was, when he found out that his son was there in the club, he said, Oh no, is my son gay? And then he was relieved to find out, Oh, he's just the shooter. He's not uh, homosexual. Cause that was his number one concern. And I really thought that was uh, in poor taste. But then again, uh, what, what do you expect from, uh, somebody that raises someone that thinks that it's okay to go and act, act out violently towards others that they don't agree with. So, um, what what are you guys' thoughts about this whole incident, uh, Jim? Well, I was, you know, Calvin Burke on Twitter announced that he was a Mormon, and all of these defenders of the church came out of the woodwork and said, "You can't blame him. He was inactive. This had nothing to do with it." People referenced Jeffrey R. Holland's musket fire talk. And I'm actually Mm -hmm. less concerned about the musket fire talk as I am about the the growing fermenting underbelly of Mormonism 
that is described by the hashtag Desnat on Twitter. Yeah. You have a bunch mm-hmm. of white nationalists that are using the church as the platform uh, that mm-hmm. that uh, Twitter's cracked down on them to some degree, but they mm-hmm. used to post all these pictures of Brigham Young brandishing machine guns and machetes mm-hmm. were their icon of choice. And there, yeah. there is... I, I don't think the general membership of the church is in any way violent, but I yeah. think that there are enough extremists in the church that uh, something like this at some point was inevitable. And I yeah. would like to see Salt Lake City cracking down and and calling mm-hmm. it out by name. Certainly. Rather than so, just sort of waving it away and saying, oh, this isn't really a problem. Yeah. Um, by by comparison, I've been considering, you know, what happened after 9-11 with uh, the Muslim faith is that you had Al-Qaeda that was a fringe element of the uh, religion of Islam that uh, was blamed for uh, terrorism and these uh, kinds of terrorist attacks. And there was a big call for uh, Muslims to... Uh, what in in effect rein in these fringe elements and to you know take a stand against them and I mean I myself at the at the time said hey you know the, these people are uh, going out there representing their religious beliefs so if the religion really is a religion of peace then that religion needs to crack down hard on it so um, by comparison I would say I completely agree with you Jim that this is something where uh, Salt Lake City, if they want to be considered a peaceful religion, needs to really uh, come down on the Desnat and the uh, the fun, not, not fundamentalists. That's not the word. It's more the extreme uh, factions like this, like uh, where you got the extreme right wing uh, that is using their religion as an excuse for violence. Yes. So I completely agree with you there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, citing safety concerns, the church uh, apparently uh, canceled some of the uh, LDS uh, Colorado events in the in the following week just to ensure that there was no retaliation or no other violent events. And I actually t- I think I'm the one who, quote unquote, broke this story is that uh, Elder Holland's uh, Facebook page. Um, you referenced the so-called musket fire talk there, Jim. Um, they shut down the churches, shut down his Facebook page entirely for a period of uh, almost 24 hours immediately following this LDS Colorado uh, event back on, I think it was November 27th. And I, th- I think that they probably did that because uh, there was an accumulating, I-, I don't know for sure, but maybe an accumulating amount of negative comments that were posted to his personal page. I can't confirm that to be sure. But yeah, it did not surprise me in the least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that musket fire uh, talk got uh, spread around a lot. And yeah, I mean, uh, it was probably poor taste uh, for Elder Holland to give that talk a year ago, but uh, I I don't think that that had anything to do with the actions of this young man. No. Yeah, it's, I, don't it's either, I mean, I don't think there's any direct linkage. I just think that uh, we are too comfortable allowing violent rhetoric to percolate and fester on the fringes of the church. And I, I think yeah. this is a wake-up call to say, you know what, sometimes this rhetoric can boil over and we ought to be careful about it and we ought to, we ought to call it out. Yeah, well said. Well, I mean, I, I also ask this, we discussed this back, uh, we discussed this a couple of times with gun shootings, that the church doesn't have, is not currently leading nationally or internationally on gun rights or, or gun violence. Um, they do uh, enter the fray when it comes to immigration on some political issues. They enter they enter it on uh, same-sex marriage, for sure. They wade into right. that. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, most people would consider gun violence to be a moral issue. In fact, probably one of the biggest moral issues of our time. But the church is not showing any uh, leadership on that. And um, they certainly could be doing much, much more than they are. Well, yeah. President Nelson at one point said that we need to keep guns out of the hands of people who shouldn't have them, which made mm-hmm. a certain segment of the church apoplectic. Uh, mm-hmm. But I used to write editorials for the Deseret News. Mm-hmm. And the goal of a Deseret News editorial is to offend the least amount of people possible. That know, sounds right. Something very milk toast, very pablum, because they're afraid that anything they write is going to be taken as the position of the church. Uh, but so that there are specific issues, the ones you described, immigration being one, as well as same-sex marriage, that the church feels very comfortable leading out on. But if the church hasn't given clear direction, we weren't allowed to write an editorial that that said much of anything. And everything was just kind of couched in very cautious language. And I think the church is just timid about leading out on, on those kinds of issues. And I wish they weren't. Yeah. So let me ask you, Al, uh, you know, how do we rein in the right uh, the right wing fringe elements in the church? How do we bring the Desnats? How do, how do we control those? How do we, you know, Mr. Brink here, I would I would call him pretty far right wing. Um, how do we control those individuals and, uh, um, you know, correct what we have here? Yeah, because it sounds to me like uh, from what we've seen uh, with activism within the, the church is that uh, the church really does seem to have more of a problem, just like Mr. Brink said, more of a problem with uh, people's sexual orientation than with their violent behavior. And that seems really backwards. So I think that there is a way to approach that. And the way to approach that um, is definitely across the pulpit at General Conference officially. You know, it's something that needs to, the church needs to come out very strongly uh, publicly against it. So there's no, um, this isn't something that can be happen or, or uh, uh, taking on on a local level. You can't just uh, put out uh, on a fifth Sunday and say, look, you know, we, uh, this Sunday for the fifth Sunday, we need to make sure all of our Sunday school lessons are about um, resisting violence and uh, uh, not committing murder in the name of the church. So uh, I I don't think that would be a strong enough stance. I think that the only way that this, the type of people that would commit this kind of atrocity are going to uh, believe the church's word for it is to go where that is official. And that is general conference. Uh, What are your thoughts? Jim, do you have any last thoughts on this Colorado shooting? I, I, I would love to see the church take this kind of thing head on. And I just don't, I don't see it happening. Unfortunately, no. Yeah. Yep. That does take us to our next article. I agree with you, Jim. Our next article here is BYU football team. First of all, it's kind of a two-parter. BYU football team, it wins the last two games of the season. Now they're seven and five. They will be going to an ESPN bowl game, which apparently will be announced here uh, perhaps as soon as this afternoon. But uh, that's a big deal. There's a lot of eyeballs on this BYU football team. More more people watch BYU football than general conference and uh, uh, state conferences. Uh, if you add up every single that. state conference and all the general conference viewership and the uh, young adult devotionals and the rest of us, uh, every single, single thing that comes out of Salt Lake City, BYU football game for the whole season, much more people watch that. So, um, yeah, they're probably going to bowl game. But what I wanted to discuss, actually, was uh, the Stanford game, which was not this last game, but the week before. And there's a lot of controversy here. Um, this was an article written um, on universe, uh, the Daily Universe, BYU's own newspaper. This was November 27, 2022. 
title of the article is Stanford Band Stages Controversial Halftime Skit During Football Game Against BYU. So if you look at the picture here, uh, Al, can you describe the picture of what took place during this uh, halftime of this uh, football game in Stanford with the BYU football team? Yeah, this was a um, uh, what this was was like a uh, a marriage ceremony between uh, non-straight people, and uh, they basically went. What what happened is uh, as and Stanford University has a, a reputation for uh, doing these kinds of controversial halftime shows, so they uh, they did a a non. Uh, heterosexual marriage using the terminology uh, that's used in the LDS temple ceilings. And uh, the officiator is uh, definitely not a priesthood holder. Uh, it is a, a female. So uh, this is something that uh, was definitely done in poor taste and uh, sh shouldn't have happened. But at the same time there, uh, I don't think that this is just a singling out of the LDS. I think this is something that Stanford has done and maybe they've gone too far. Maybe this is something that is inappropriate regardless of who you're uh, doing it about. Right. Let me ask you, Jim, is this, was this halftime show? Is it in poor taste? Is it bigotry? Is it hate speech? Is it much, much ado about nothing? I would go with much ado about nothing. I, I think I mean, it, it was, if you weren't a member of the church, you wouldn't be able to notice uh, that they were aiming this at the church. They used the phrase for time and all eternity. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they did something else that was, that, that was, was Mormon. But if you weren't a Mormon or you didn't, aren't Mormon adjacent, you wouldn't have noticed. And to call it bigotry or hate speech is just a massive overreaction. I mean, the church uh, entered into the public arena on the issue of same-sex marriage in California, where Stanford is, and Stanford bore the brunt of it to a large degree. Uh, and uh, I think it's fair game for them to poke back uh, and for us to just get all upset sure. and offended and, you know, choosing to be offended, to use the phrase. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I think that's that's really kind of a silly response. I think you just let it go, roll your eyes a little bit, and off you go. It might, might have been better to respond uh, with the Stanford prison experiment, uh, that whole debacle back in the 70s. You know, <laughs> to say, well, hey, uh, out, out of Stanford, you get some pretty extreme things. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the Stanford has come out after that. They said that the uh, Stanford Athletics has said, this is an article in the Deseret News, that it deeply regrets the offense caused by the band's halftime show. And the Stanford Athletic Department addressed the halftime show performance during its football game and said that uh, this doesn't reflect, reflect our values. It does, uh, does not reflect uh, the values of religious freedom, diversity, inclusion, and belonging. And it just makes me think, well, if they were mocking, I don't know, if they were mocking black people, if they were mocking gay people, if they were mocking trans people, there would be a, a complete outrage. Um, and, and it would be not tolerated. And I can almost guarantee you this, that if they had mocked one of those groups that I just mentioned, that there would have been some discipline that would have been um, handed out for the students involved. But because it's Latter-day Saints and because the church has, as Jim, as you said, waded into it in Proposition 8 and we're on, uh, you know, the, the, the team is in an away game, then everything's fair game. It, even if something, somebody holds something sacred, well, then you can just run over it with the truck. No, but and, they're, not uh, mocking, they're not mocking Latter-day Saints. They're taking issue with a Latter-day Saint position. They're not mocking any individuals. Uh, they're, true. I mean, 
I mean, they're, they're not saying Mormons are idiots, Mormons are ugly, Mormons. I mean, they're not attacking anybody who's a member of the church. Yeah, they're, they they're kind of uh, lampooning, if you will, a, uh, a practice or an ordinance. Right? Yes, yeah. that's what they're doing. And when you enter the public arena, that's something that you have to expect. You know, you, you wouldn't say somebody in a political situation who's taking issue with Republicans is attacking Republicans as individuals if they're attacking a Republican policy. And I think that's exactly what they were doing here. I, I you know, I, I think it's a little childish and silly, but to call it hate speech, to call it all of that, I, I just I just think that's making far too much of a situation that doesn't deserve that attention. Well, it reminds me back of uh, when BYU volleyball team had the racist, so-called racist incident against Duke. When that happened, there was police. There was literally a police investigation in it. There was discipline for a, stu- a UVU student who was attending the volleyball game, even though there was no there was no evidence of it. BYU reacted extremely strongly, and it and it was on CNN. It was carried throughout the entire nation. Of people were in a complete uproar, even though there was a bunch of smoke and no fire. Now we have what most people would consider to be a fire and absolutely nothing has happened. And this is also the same thing that happened a couple of weeks ago when BYU football was playing against Oregon. And there was a a chant caught on tape by a number of Oregon students who said F the Mormons. So whenever, whenever it's BYU, whenever someone comes to visit BYU, there's discipline and there's action taken because, you know, BYU wants to do the right thing. Every time that BYU sports goes to travel somewhere else, it's just open season and fair game. I I don't I don't think what happened at the Duke game or what didn't happen what was what was alleged to have happened at the Duke game is in any way comparable to what happened in the Stanford game. I think it may be comparable to F the Mormons because F the Mormons is you are attacking mm-hmm. individuals for their yeah. identity. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, marrying two women for time and all eternity. Um it, it's it's just not the same thing. It's mm-hmm. I, I I just do not see the two as analogous at all. Well, and I I don't think that anybody that um, was there in I I mean if this was actually a legitimate marriage, I don't think anybody that's involved in it legitimately believes that uh, they were um, really being married or sealed together by priesthood power for time and all eternity, right? Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Yeah, I do have a feeling, though, that, uh, you know, BYU is the number two anti-LGBTQ university in the nation. I think it's only second behind Liberty University. And as the distance between how BYU approaches LGBTQ issues, how the rest of society approaches it, as those continue to diverge, if they continue to diverge, and they probably will, then I have a feeling that these type of protests, satire, and uh, I don't know, uh, is just going to become a lot more common. Oh, I, I think that's probably very true. And I mean, you, you can see that uh, in the protests prior to 1978, uh, where the church was very much um, going divergent from where the rest of the world was. Uh, and we eventually came around as a church. But uh, yeah, we should expect more of this. And And I don't think... You know, I think F the Mormons is hate speech. I think marrying someone for time and all eternity is not. Yeah, that's a fair thing to say there, Jim. Um, Any other thoughts uh, before we move on to the next article here? 
No, absolutely. No, I think I think we got it covered. Let's go on to our next article here. And this is a big this is literally a huge article because it's a giant, giant golden Joseph Smith statue unveiled in India. And mm-hmm. Adita Christofferson uh, tweeted this out on his official uh, handle here um, that he said, I was honored to represent the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints yesterday at the World Peace Dome in Pune, India. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. As the statue of the Prophet Joseph Smith was added to this majestic hall built to promote world peace. And the church uh, church news also covered this not once, but twice. And uh, Dita Christopherson said that this is the greatest aspect of the mission of the Prophet Joseph Smith was to bear testimony of Jesus Christ. So we had a very, very memeable, giant 15-foot gold golden laid statue here with joseph smith and he appears to be holding a book maybe it's the book of mormon not sure but uh this this is really a remarkable thing and it really kind of took a twitter in particular by a storm yeah we've seen um the a statue kind of similar to this uh of joseph smith in different locations i believe there's uh, one in uh uh palmyra at the uh, Hill Camorra, uh, I'm not sure. I haven't been there personally, but I know that I've seen a statue similar to this on Temple Square. Uh, it's just kind of, you know, Joseph Smith standing there holding a book with his other hand out, outstretched. I mean, it's a, ni- a nice uh, uh, statue, but uh, the, the church did not uh, commission it. This was something that was done uh, by the people of India. And the church just basically just gives their seal of approval by sending a, an apostle there to say, yeah, we're, we're okay with this. And yeah, so, that's fine. Yeah, Jim, Jim, did you see this? So what, what's your reaction to this Golden Joseph Smith statue? Well, it's just too easy to make the comparison to the Golden Calf. Uh, <laughs> plenty of people did. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, in the context of what this statue is and where it is, uh, I think it's actually sort of a lovely gesture on the part of people who are not members of the church who are trying to create mm-hmm. a sort of ecumenical, inclusive, um, I don't want to say shrine, but uh, I mean, this is one of, I think, 30 or maybe it's even 50 statues of religious 54. leaders. 54. Yeah. Uh, 54 statues of religious leaders from all across the world and from all kinds of different traditions. And uh, I think it's kind of lovely to be included in that. Uh, but the mm-hmm. pictures, and it looks like he's wearing some kind of Hawaiian lei. <laughs> I, mean, it, I mean, the pictures just, just the memes write themselves. Yeah, too easy, too easy. You know, so he joins Joseph Smith here, joins 50 other quote unquote. So this, the, the World Peace Dome is for Messiahs of Peace. That it's for a piece. It's you know, um, kind of in in the vein of Gandhi, and and I'm just thinking to myself, what did Joseph Smith do to promote world peace? And a couple of things come to mind, like the Zions Camp March. I wouldn't call that too peaceful, or the Danites, the Council of Fifty, the Missouri War, the Battle of Crooked River, uh, destroying a printing press, the heavy emphasis in the Book of Mormon on war and bloodshed. I don't think anyone, any objective reader, can read the Book of Mormon and think that it is a book of peace. There is a great deal of battles and death, of millions of people yeah. dying. And Joseph Smith brandishing pistols in Carthage jail. And he was he was a two or three star general in the Nauvoo Legion. I forget which one. I think it was mm-hmm. a lieutenant general that would make him a three star yeah. general. Did I don't it just what did Joseph Smith do to promote world peace? It kind of reminds me of like a, mm-hmm. a President Obama when he won the uh, Nobel Peace Prize after only being president for like nine months. I'm like, wait mm-hmm. a minute, he's only he's only been office for nine right? months. <laughs> yeah. right. uh, so I mean is he a peaceful figure? 
Well, I I think I think you're further into the weeds than I would go, uh, because I think he's he's not there as an embodiment of his own life specifically. He's there as a symbol of the church as a whole. Uh, and any time you, I mean, it might be more appropriate to have the angel Moroni or something that you couldn't actually attach specific actions or behavior to. Uh, but uh, I, I see it, uh, I see it more as a gesture of inclusion from other religious traditions that have chosen Joseph Smith as the symbol for the church. Uh, more than I see it as a celebration of anything peaceful or non-peaceful that Joseph Smith personally ever did. Yeah, and the, the irony for me is that Joseph Smith in this dome, he's sharing it with many other religious leaders who were very, very peaceful leaders, especially, you know, like Gandhi. Um, but well, the thing about it is, <laughs> is um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if Muhammad's in there. Either, but... It's but, in India. I would be very, very surprised considering the Hindu nature of India if Muhammad yeah. made it in there. Muhammad may uh, not have made it in there, but yeah, but, uh, I, I would think not because uh, the the religion of Islam is really against there being any kind of uh, image well, of Muhammad, true. right? You, you so I, I think, out of respect for that, they probably would have left him out. Fair point. I had forgotten that. That's absolutely mm -hmm. right. But I just wonder, did, did anyone in the, the church's PR department maybe think that this was not the best look? I mean, someone can make a statue all that they want. I mean, there is a couple of weird statues in Salt Lake City of Joseph Smith in those uh, international gardens, for instance. But they, we didn't send mm -hmm. an apostle to support those. So did, did somebody think, you know, maybe this isn't the best look to have an apostle um, below a golden, a golden calf statue? When so many people out there think that actually that Mormons actually worship Joseph Smith, that maybe someone in the PR department might have caught that? Yeah, I agree. I, I I don't think that in terms of PR that was the wisest move. Uh, but uh, but I because again the memes write themselves, and they you know I you can you can go and find this this golden statue saying and doing all kinds of things now. Um, uh, but uh, I think in the grand scheme of things, it really doesn't matter one way or the other. I just do. I, the, the irony here is very, very thick because you're making a golden statue out of someone who was dogged by treasure hunting allegations. And, sure. and remember, he bankrupted a lot of folks with the Kirtland uh, Safety Society scandal back in uh, mm -hmm. eight, was that 1837. And yeah. then he ran up huge debts in Nauvoo before his untimely death. So I, I just not only is I, I don't think that you can say that Joseph Smith is a messiah of peace. And, and also, he's got a lot of uh, money, uh, and especially with the fact that the church, remember, the church is the number one um, holder of real estate in the United States and is probably the most wealthy religion in the U.S., maybe second, uh, according to the Catholic Church. This is just, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a huge amount of irony in the statue. Yeah. Well, I, I, I would give Joseph Smith more credit than you're willing to give him. I, I, I think the totality of Joseph Smith's life is extraordinarily complex. And uh, yes, you can point to a number of things that are problematic. Uh, you can also point to the legacy, which is uh, a, a thriving religion that has outlived him by several generations, and I believe has blessed the lives of millions of people. Uh, and and I, I, I don't think you can separate the two. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think you can isolate all of Joseph Smith's flaws and not acknowledge all of Joseph Smith's positive contributions to the religious life of his followers and to the religious life of the world as a whole. 
And I think that that's been a, a, a if, if I didn't believe it was an influence for good, I would no longer be a member of the church. So sure. I, 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 we have to come to terms with um, Joseph Smith, the flawed human being. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think we need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that Joseph Smith probably wasn't all that great with money, uh, as evidenced by the, the Kirtland sure. Banking Society. Brigham Young, on the other hand, his successor, yeah. was was great with money. And sure. I think that that's where you start to see the, the real uh, growth and the, the headway being made, that uh, I think there was a lot of the, the um, what business-savvy mindset of Brigham Young that got passed down from generation to generation, whereas a lot of uh, what uh, the religious doctrines or teachings of Joseph Smith were handed down. Yeah, I mean, I, I live, described. I live here in Virginia. You know, that's considered we're in the Confederate states, formerly Confederate uh, states here, and and where there's been a big push in the last couple of years to tear down the statues of Confederate generals and rename the highways of racist owners of enslaved persons, and that's why people, you know, uh, I look when you make a statue, it's not just that you're commemorating what he stood for; you're also commemorating what he did. And it, should you be making a statue that uh, to honor the man, especially what we know about Joseph Smith and polygamy now, especially with uh, young girls, should we be making a statue which basically it's not just about the religion that he founded. It's about him as a person. Um, should we be making a statue to honor uh, Joseph Smith, considering especially what we know about his uh, pl- uh, polygamy uh, with young girls? Well, we didn't make the statue. Uh, we <laughs> or, didn't or send we, someone send an official representative okay, but i but i think in terms of endorsement and participation in that process that is several steps removed from making a 50 foot golden statue of joseph smith or 15 foot okay. uh I, I i mean we 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 accepted the honor uh and probably did so in a clumsy way uh, but uh, this was something that was done by somebody outside the church in order to celebrate the church as a whole more than to celebrate Joseph Smith as a person. And as such, I, I don't see anything particularly wrong with it. Well, to our listeners out there, uh, this goes along with our Mormon News Roundup poll of the week. If you come on over to Anchor, you can take our poll. And Jim, if you would be so kind, we'd like you to take our poll, too, uh, regarding this. And Al, what is the uh, Mormon News Roundup poll of the week? Okay, so the question on the poll this week is, how do you feel about the oversized Golden Joseph Smith statue unveiled in India last week? Okay, and Jim, if you don't mind, would you read us number one? All right, I'm pulling it up here on my Google Doc. I... Mm-hmm. You caught me flat-footed. Here it Sorry, is. Sorry, it's uh, down towards the bottom. <laughs> uh, that, that's we like all. to do a lot of gotcha questions. We like to set people up with the kind of gotcha questions here. I, you probably noticed the pattern. Uh, yeah, it's all right. Um, okay, so um, Fred, we're, we're okay. Okay, how do you feel about the oversized Golden Joseph Smith statue unveiled in India this week? Number one, two thumbs way up. Millions shall know Golden Joseph again. You know, I was really hoping since you were, you're a second tenor or a first tenor, Jim? Second that, tenor. Oh, I was hoping you would sing it. I'm certainly not going to force you to. Millions shall know Golden Joseph. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> that is perfect. That's you shall receive. Hey, this is a dream come true. You know, I'm, uh, I'm remembering back to your father in his office. He never would have thought that this conversation would have taken place. I can guarantee you that. No, uh, <laughs> or how about, is it number two? Number two, weirded out. Moroni said Joseph's name shall be known for good and evil, not for gold and silver. 
you have to admit, Al, that it is a bit weird, right? I do have to admit that, yeah. Yeah, or is it number three? Number three, ironic. The children of Israel and Aaron want their golden calf statue back. Yeah, what to command is one of the Ten Commandments does not make a graven image. Is what is that a commandment to Al? Do you remember or? Um, uh, let's see. It is. It is number two. Yeah, it's number two. Yeah, number two or uh, number four, Jim. Uh, number four, this gaudy statue is the perfect symbol of the most wealthy church in American history. That's uh, slightly debatable, but uh, it's somewhere right up there. And that's, uh, the, uh, of course, a lot of irony there. Or maybe you feel it's number five. Number five, no problem. As long as no one calls him a Mormon, it's all good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's, the, that's the most important thing here. I th- we don't want any victories for Satan. Or is it number six? Number six, the statue is impressive, but they need to need to surround it with 33 more golden statues of his wives. Hashtag forever families. That would be, you know, yeah, he's surrounded by 54 uh, leaders of Messiah's apiece. But I think it'd be a lot more impressive if he was surrounded by 33 gold. I'm curious if Joseph Smith's the only polygamist in that uh, in these statues. I don't know. India, there's a lot of polygamists in India. I don't Mm -hmm. don't know for a fact. Could could be not sure. Or finally, number seven. Number seven, somewhere in heaven, Josiah Stoll's sons are screaming, see, I told you so. <laughs> yeah, no, Josiah Stoll's sons, they are furious. Oh, boy, they are. I guess they're vindicated. So this is an imperfect poll here, Jim. But which one of these, is there any of these that could, uh, which one is the closest to how you feel uh, about probably it? Probably number five, no problem, five. As, no one, as long as no one calls him a Mormon. And I don't even care if they call him a Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're not I, too worried I, about I just it. don't, I, I mean, I think it's odd. It's a little weird, but it's we didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And that's true. Yeah. I mean, this was a this was a gesture including Mormons in the world community of religion, and as such, I, I welcome it. Mm-hmm. You betcha. Yeah. Uh, and I just want to remind everybody to please drop us a like, drop us a subscription. Uh, we'd be very grateful for that. Leave us a five star review. Uh, we'd be uh, very, very grateful for that. Now, this next article here was uh, the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square revises the mission to reflect LDS Church's global membership. So there's a lot going on in the choir. They've got uh, a new president, Mike Lovett. They've got uh, they've gone through a lot of uh, new exciting changes. They have a new name. President Nelson has refined the mission. The tours are changing. There's a supposed emphasis on diversity. Uh, Jim, what's going on with the choir? Uh, It's been really exciting, actually. Uh, Mike Levitt, as people know, he's the former governor of Utah. He was a secretary of health and human services for the Bush administration. Uh, He is a mover and a shaker, and they called him to be uh, the choir president. And he hit the ground running and is the expansion of the mission is the addition of three additional words to the official choir mission. And those words are throughout the world. And the idea is we are going to make the choir uh, have a broader global impact. And they gathered the choir together and announced this uh, to, to choir members before they announced it to the world at large. But there were three different initiatives that they're talking about. One is they're going to make music and the spoken word in both Spanish and Portuguese. They're still going to use the same music and we're not going to sing different languages, although we are going to sing some songs that have different languages. We've already done that a little bit, Uh, but there's going to be uh, somebody, a native speaker of both Spanish and Portuguese doing the spoken word for Spanish and Portuguese populations. So that was number one. Number two was that we're going to focus on smaller tours uh, in places that are but more frequent tours. 
Right now, we've been going on tour every two years. I still haven't ever gone on tour because it kept getting canceled because of COVID. And I was mad because the last tour was supposed to go to Scotland, which is where I served my mission, and I haven't been back in 30 years. But oh, that's uh, a shame. our next tour is going to be um, six days in Mexico City this summer, whereas the previous tours were three weeks long, and then they were only every other year. And they're talking about doing multiple tours just to get the choir out there and to get the choir out in the world. And they want to do it in places that have a strong Latter-day Saint presence. And the third is uh, that they're going to bring in uh, people from across the world to increase choir diversity. And uh, they're going to, for this next general conference, that we're going to have 20 people from different countries. And they're going to come and perform with the choir. And uh, when he announced this, President Levitt said, this may be a one-time thing. Uh, this may be a, uh, a practice that we do every, every uh, conference, or this may be the beginning of something much larger. And I hope it's the beginning of something much larger. And I believe it probably is. Uh, so I'm very excited. The choir's being very ambitious and uh, I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Singing in the choir is one of the great joys of my life. Now, do you think this emphasis on diversity is actually going to happen? Uh, I know it's going to happen. Uh, it's not going to happen to the extent that I think a lot of people will be happy with it because the people that we're going to bring in from other countries are not going to be here permanently. So on a weekly basis, you're stuck with people who live within 100 miles of Temple Square and uh, the reality of that is that uh, most of those are pasty white people like me. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's only so much. Like you all can three do. of us. <laughs> like all three of us. Uh, I mean, I've seen more diversity in my short time in the choir. I joined in 2019 and they, they have had uh, more people of color uh, join. And I think they're actively trying to recruit more people of color. But, uh, you know, they, they want to go beyond that. They, it's not, they're not just interested in, in you know, appearance. They're interested in actual cultural diversity, uh, people from other nations. Uh, and I, that's kind of exciting. I, I, and they're trying to figure out how to do that. It's difficult to do that given the choir's weekly broadcast schedule. But, you know, during one general conference, uh, we ended the conference with a video of choirs singing all over the world, and technology is getting to the point where that's becoming easier and easier to do. And so I think that uh, I think that President Levitt is very eager to sort of push the envelope as to what's possible in creating a more global choir. Yeah, um, let me. Uh, I used to. Uh, Mike Levitt used to be in my ward in Salt Lake City. I used to play over at his son's house. Uh, uh, actually, his son is named Michael Jr. I used to play uh, over at his son's house all the time. Um, so, yeah, um, I think he's a fantastic man for the job, considering his uh, level of leadership, especially at the, the state level and at the federal level. They obviously found the perfect person for that. Let me just ask you one more question about this before we move on. And how do you feel? And this goes along with our Mormon News Roundup, uh, Mormon News Roundup question of the week. If you come on over to Anchor, you can answer this open-ended question. just want to pose it to you, Jim, before uh, anyone else answers it. That's, what do you think of the renaming of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir to the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square? 
Well, you know, I uh, I auditioned for the choir when it was still the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, and they made the name change in during that process. The whole process takes months, six to nine months. And uh, I received stationery from the Mormon Tabernacle Choir telling me that I had been admitted to the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, even when it was the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square. I, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I would have, if, if I were president of the church, I wouldn't have changed the name. I'll just put it that way. I am not president of the church, and I sustain the president of the church, and I accept the name change. Uh, I... I think there's a lot of history in the name. Um, it's a re very recognizable name, and I'm kind of sad to have seen it go. Yeah, to our listeners out there, we'd be interested in hearing from you. Uh, we have a website. It's called www.mormonnewsroundup.org. You can come over to our website, or you can drop us an email. We're at kolob at mormonnewsroundup.org. That's K-O-L-O-B. And we're also on Twitter at at newsmormon. And that does take us to our next article. Yeah, I'm going to uh, hit up this one. We're going over to OnlySky.media, where uh, Hammond Meta has uh, published an article on November 29, 2022, and it's BYU-Idaho may have fired professors for questioning anti-LGBTQ Mormon beliefs. Uh, so essentially what happened is up at uh, former Ricks College and currently BYU-Idaho, there's... Um, been a, a little bit of a change uh let's see by the eco department the eco is the ecclesiastical clearance uh, office and so basically this is where your ecclesiastical endorsements go through from your bishops and uh there's been a couple added questions just um and, and they're pretty basic and simple just you know do you uh have a testimony and or support the church's stance on uh uh let's see, the proclamation to the world and the family, which states that marriage is between a man and a woman. And uh, there was a, a couple of professors up there who, um, let's see, the, the one is a gentleman by the name of, what was his name? Oh, for heaven's sakes, I'm getting buried in the text here. Uh, let's see, the other one was Lindsay Larson Call, but uh, it's not her that I'm thinking of. Uh, ben Buzzwell. Buzzwell. Yeah, Ben Buzzwell. There he is. Okay. So he was having a conversation just at church with his bishop in the hallway, just kind of in passing. And they, uh, he just, uh, said, you know, I, I'm not sure what to think about the whole uh, LGBTQ thing and the church's, you know, stance, hard, hard stance against it. Um, but he says, you know, I'm sure that when I come out on the other side of this, I'll find myself in line with the church's um uh, with, with where the church stands. So, you know, that's fair. It's it, essentially what he's saying is I'm not there yet, but that's the direction that I'm going. And I'm sure that I'm going to end up in that location sooner or later. Well, that Bishop, um, as part of giving him this ecclesiastical endorsement for professors, uh, reported that, uh, to the office said, you know, well, the, this is a conversation that we had and I feel like he's coming the right direction uh, and he's, he's going to get there. So I, I endorse him uh, ecclesiastically as a, a, an upstanding um, person that should be uh, remaining on the faculty. Uh, the ecclesiastical, um, uh, what was it? The ECO, <laughs> um, they didn't feel the same way. So, they uh they fired him they let him go 
And the same thing with Lindsay Call. They told, uh, I guess she had made a, a, a Facebook post a couple of years ago before this whole thing where she said that she didn't, uh, you know, like where uh, things were or, or rather she, uh, she was in a, a training where they showed a, a video that said, well, mothers are often respons- are responsible for the, uh, the sexuality of their children and, you know, where they end up that way. And she says, I don't think that's right. There's no research behind it. There's no, there's nothing to, to back that up. So I don't think we ought to be showing a video like that, which I think is a fair opinion, but, uh, the university went back and found that opinion that she expressed and fired her over it. So essentially what we've got now is, I don't want to use the term witch hunt, but I'm going to use the term witch hunt. (laughs) It's it's, it's just what it feels like is that you've got a bunch of faculty members uh, sitting on pins and needles wondering, uh, okay, is there anything that I might have possibly said anywhere in my past that's not aligning with the current stance of the church. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, so they, the, both of these faculty members passed their ecclesiastical endorsements at the bishop level. They were recommended, mm-hmm. and they don't even know why they were let go. And the most crazy part is they haven't been told the reason that they've been let go. And, that too. And <laughs> either one of these faculty members is out there picketing in the streets. You know, mm-hmm. you know, they haven't set up foundations. They're not, you know, lobbying legislation. These are very back back room sort of situations that are they're not fighting directly against the church they just have some reservations about something seemingly very minor and they, they've lost their livelihoods they've lost their jobs i'm extremely concerned if this is the direction that, that we're going to yeah. see uh, jim did you see this and what is your reaction i did see it my reaction is similar to yours i, I i'm very frustrated that there's no uh recourse for these people that they're not able to find out, they're not able to confront their accusers, they're not able to find out why it is that they've been let go. Uh, the mm-hmm. fact that they cleared their ecclesiastical endorsement uh, mm-hmm. means that they should be good to go. And I don't understand, I, I just don't understand it. I, I, I'm frustrated by it and I mm-hmm. I wanna be as vague as possible so I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, but I've had some very, yeah candid conversations with people who work for the church who are terrified by this. Sure. Uh, Uh, There was a second, there was a second article about this. That's also in the show notes for any listener that wants to go check it out where um, they did reach out to the church spokesperson for a comment. And the church spokesman said that we may be willing to make a comment, but as of the posting of that article, which was on December 1st, that second one, they, the church hadn't officially responded. So that that's the thing is, you know, we really don't know. You're you're absolutely right. That's what's hanging in the air is, you know, and and furthermore, could it could it uh, happen to somebody else? We don't know. Yeah. And just remember, it was only a couple of years ago where uh, Ruthie Robertson, she was a BYU-Idaho professor, and she said that she was fired after she wrote in a private personal Facebook message to someone else that she didn't think that homosexuality was a sin. So, I mean, if you take all these now, we don't know for sure the reasons behind all of these firings. That's, that's It hasn't been released yet. But if it is sure. regarding what most people are saying that it is, which is that these particular professors were not upholding the church's position strongly enough on LGBTQ issues, that is putting a significant chill on the faculty there at BYU. And as you know, I, I was a full-time uh, faculty member at BYU for 
uh, I was excuse me, excuse me a part-time faculty member at BYU Provo for a number of years, and um, I'm extremely concerned um, about these uh, reports, and I hope that they are not accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's surprising to see this sort of thing happen, but then again, you, you you really don't see this sort of thing happen at BYU Provo. When you see this sort of thing happen, where it seems a little fringe or out there, it seems like it always comes from BYU Idaho. And I, I'm guessing that up in Rexburg, they just don't have anything better to do with their time than to get a little out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they've added a new question. I think it was a couple of years ago for faculty mm-hmm. members when they're being hired. And the new question, I think, is a, a little bit, uh, I don't know, I'm a little bit disturbed by it. It says, quote, does this member have a testimony of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and of its doctrine, including its teachings on marriage, family, and gender? Basically, uh, end quote, basically, they're, they're saying, does this person oppose LGBTQ rights and same-sex marriage like the church requires. But this is what is so confusing is that the church has come out in favor, seemingly in favor of the Marriage for All Act. So where is a faculty member then supposed to line? How is a faculty member supposed to interpret all of this information and navigate to be in the good graces of the church? It's it's seemingly impossible. No, I think that's an excellent point. I mean, the, the church's position on LGBTQ issues has in many ways changed radically in a very short period of time. You know, when I was growing up, the miracle of forgiveness was the standard. And it said that Spencer Kimball in that book says that for those who think that this can't be changed, how do you know the door will not open until you've pounded on it, until your arms are bloody and your muscles are sore? It can be done. The church now acknowledges that people do not choose um, their sexual attractions that now acknowledges that you can't pray the gay away necessarily. I mean, it hedges the language it uses to describe this as some people, some people are successful, but many mm-hmm. others are not. And you should not expect that it will change. Uh, the mm-hmm. church no longer counsels um, mixed orientation marriages. I mean, so I mean, th- there are a number of things where the church has taken steps and now the church has endorsed a bill that makes same-sex marriage the law of the land in all 50 states. So to, to then yeah. say, well, do you support the church's position on marriage, family, and gender? Uh, does the church support the church's position on marriage, family, and gender? By <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, depending on where you are in, in the history timeline, right? <laughs> I mean, if I agree, if I agree that everything that the church has done in that regard that I've just listed is a good thing, am I out of step with the church? And it sounds to me like some of these professors are being told, "Yeah, you are. You have to mm-hmm. really toe a hard line against LGBTQ rights." And and you know, it, it's it's it really is very frustrating because. So much of this is in flux as we respond to a world that has changed very quickly. People forget that Barack Obama campaigned against gay marriage in 2008 when he ran for president. Uh, The shift in terms of public opinion on gay rights uh, is unlike anything any of us have ever seen because it has happened very quickly and very decisively. And the reality is the church has lost on this issue in every way it is possible to lose. Yeah. And, and so to, to hold people accountable uh, for having private beliefs 
about what they want the church to do or, th- you know, when they're not out there crusading, as you say, uh, you know, then that's just, it's really unsettling. And, and nobody knows where the line is and everybody's terrified they're going to cross it. Yeah, and this is from the article here, which is making more mainstream uh, headlines because of you're, you're firing people over academic freedom. Um, and this is from the article here. I want to quote it. It says, not since the American Association of University Professors censured BYU in the late 1990s has the institution faced such a significant threat to academic freedom and its standing as a legitimate institution of higher education. It really, it really erodes the foundation of legitimacy for an institution if you are trying to uh, police people's thoughts, just their thoughts, not actions, thoughts to such a high level on such an issue in which the rest of the so-called world is in almost unanimous agreement, at least the academic world. Yep, I think you're right. Al, do you have anything else on this one? No, uh, just this is, uh, it, the sh- the church is a big ship. Um, I mean, Titanic-sized ship. It, uh, and as we found out in 1912, the Titanic doesn't steer on a dime. It takes a while to turn it. Uh, same with the LDS church. It's going to take time for the, the church to turn. But And it seems like it, it's in the middle of that process. It seems like the church is turning, but it's turning so slowly. So, you know, Jim's right that this is kind of a, a matter of, well, you know, you agree with the church's stance and you support and sustain the church's stance. Uh, but that kind of ch- is supposed to change with the changing of the church too. So it's hard to know where you're at and because it's hard to know where the church is currently at. So that's fair. Absolutely. Now, if you want to uh, get in touch with us, you can send us a voicemail. If you come on over to Anchor, you can leave us a voicemail, which we'd be happy to play on our next podcast. Or, and we also upload all of these uh, podcasts to YouTube. And this is a final reminder uh, that uh, we also have a Patreon site where we upload some behind the scenes and other articles. We'd love for you to, uh, if you find this uh, podcast enjoyable, come on over, be a subscription, give us a one-time subscription or a monthly subscription. We'd be very grateful. And that does bring us to our final article here, which is published on people.com um, by on December 2nd, 2022 by Brenton Blanchett. And David Archuleta, he is back in the news again. And David Archuleta says that crowd members left his Christmas concert after he spoke about his queer identity. So after the performance, the American Idol alum responded via Instagram to an email accusing him of ruining fans' Christmas experience by speaking about his sexuality on stage. So this took place just a a very short amount of time ago. He was doing a concert in uh, Delta, Utah, which I've been to a couple of times. And um, he talked about his uh, uh, sexuality since he's uh, come out now officially, just in the uh, recent past, uh, that he said that he's officially part of the LGBTQ community, although he's hinted at such uh, quite strongly in the past. Now it's been, he's made it official. And after he did that, uh, some people uh, got up, walked out of his uh, performance and uh, criticized him and says, we didn't want to come to a Christmas concert. Uh, we wanted to come to a Christmas concert and hear Christmas carols, not be lectured on your sexuality. Uh, Jim, were you able to catch this article? What do you think? Yeah, I was. Uh, I think that David Archuleta is extraordinarily brave uh, and has has had to run a gauntlet that very few people will be asked to run and has navigated the difficulty of his love for his church and his recognition of who he is. And, uh, you know, that's that's an extraordinarily painful thing to do that those of us who are, you know, boring, old, heterosexual, cisgender folk uh, don't have to do. And 
And, you know, the only time I've ever seen David Archuleta in person and singing was at Elder Ballard's wife's funeral. It was a funeral that was attended by all um, 12 of the Quorum of the Twelve and all three members of the First Presidency, presided by Russell M. Nelson. And I remember thinking then, because the, yeah, as you say, the, the hints were fairly strong that, that this was this was who he was. And I remember thinking when he comes out, <laughs> uh, well, how are these 15 men in this room going to react to it? And we, we, we're seeing the answer to that question. Uh, I think it's Elder Ballard that David Archuleta, when, when, when he mentioned, he says, yeah, I was talking to these apostles and one of them said, oh, you just need to find a, a good girl. We just need to find you a good girl. And I thought that, you know, they have a relationship. He's saying at his wife's funeral. I can see him giving them that advice, which I think is, you know, not good advice. Um, it certainly doesn't fix the problem as much as it causes more problems. Well, yeah. sure, sure. Mm-hmm. And and, and th- this gets back to what we talked about at the very beginning of this podcast, which is I don't understand why we feel like we have to treat people who leave like garbage. And it's mm-hmm. been amazing to me to watch all of these people who loved David Archuleta when David Archuleta was the poster child for the church. Mm-hmm. And now the instant he says, you know, I've struggled with this for my life and I've been wrestling with God and this is what I need to do. And I need to take a step away. And all of a sudden you have all these people who say, "Ugh, we don't like you. We hate you. We've always hated you. Get lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I don't understand. I, I don't understand that reaction. And I don't understand how you can look at his struggle and his trauma and not feel compassion, not feel empathy. Uh, and, and to go and listen to his concert and say, please put yourself back in the box that you've just come out of. Uh, mm-hmm. Please, whatever you do, don't make me uncomfortable. Don't show me any part of you that I don't like. Just sing songs. Dance, monkey, dance. Uh, I, I, that's just such a short-sighted reaction to this. Yeah. And I think he deserves better. Yeah, because he, he had something to say. And uh, this is part of who he is. And, you know, this is, I, I think you, you nailed it on the head there, Jim, uh, that he's not just, you know, dance, monkey, dance. This is, he is a performer. His uh, fan base loves his voice. And, uh, I think a lot of his fan bases loved him because he was LDS. Uh, but now that he's uh, making changes, there's people that still love to hear the sound of his voice, but you know they just, well, it doesn't really jive with their politics or their religion, the, the way that he is. But he doesn't want that. Uh, he wants to be accepted as he is for who for who he is. I mean, he's been through a long journey himself to get uh, acceptance from himself. So now he's looking for that from his fan base. And I can understand uh, people that are going to a Christmas concert, not necessarily wanting to uh, get a lecture about somebody's journey to their sexual identification. But at the same time, uh, this is something that's very important to him that he's wanting to share with his fans. And I think he wants to share it with his fans because his fans do matter to him. They are important to him. He wants them to to know him 
for what he is. And I, I, I you know, on, in some instances, I think that we, uh, in this world that we live in, are a little too eager to share too much of our sexuality uh, with each other. But, I mean, that is a, a big factor of what makes us who we are. Uh, that being said, um, I don't think the people that left the concert early or uh, sent emails to him uh, were erring on the side of compassion. I think that they were erring on the side of judgment. And I think, yeah, they could have handled it better. Yeah, I looked into his his Instagram page. He posted about this right afterwards, and he said, "I want uh, this from his Instagram. I want to have uncom- uncomfortable conversations. That's how you gain understanding." Yeah. I didn't say anything explicit or inappropriate. If a few dozen people walk out, but there's others staying who need to know they're not alone in this journey, that's worth it to me. I felt I felt I was alone. I was scared. You know, that's what he's saying. He's willing to trade. Uh, basically, um, he's willing to make the trade off of those people walking out. For those other people who need to hear from him, that's that's a trade-off that he's willing to make. Yeah, there's a lot of people that find themselves in his shoes, and there's a lot of his his own fan base that are there because they identify with him as he is, and so that they they value the journey that he's been on. So I, I think you're absolutely right that he was willing to trade the uh, fair weather friends for some real friends. The the friend in need is a friend indeed, sort of thing. Yeah, now we have some huge guests coming up onto this podcast in the next week. We have uh, Rick Bennett from Gospel Tangents coming on next week. And by the way, for those of you keeping track out there, that's three uber-faithful future General Authority co-hosts in a row, in case you are counting. We also have Evan McConnell. Future General Authority? (laughs) I thought I could slip that through, but you're you're too smart for me. Uh, Yeah, sure, why not? All right. I'll I'll sustain you. Yeah, I'll sustain (laughs) you. For sure, I'll sustain no problem. Also, after that... (laughs) after that we have evan mcdonald from the book of evan um the week after that and we have a very very special show lined up for december 25th with not one but two special guests this entire month is must-see c-list podcast material and in january first week in january we have rebecca biblioteca who's agreed to become our first regular guest host she's coming on on january 1st and we also have emily from uh, dissident daughters coming on in january 8th we have an all-star lineup here but jim You've left them huge shoes to fill. Right? I'll say. Well, I wear size 13s. I'm a very, very large <laughs> oh, <there> <laughs> well, Thanks so much. Thanks so much for coming on, Jim. A big fan. Really glad that you took the time out. Really appreciate it. Wish you the very best at Canonizer and also in the Mormon Tabernacle Choir and for the uh, Utah UPP party or whatever else, wherever else life takes you. Well, that's very kind of you. Thank you. I very much enjoyed myself. This was delightful. Uh, We would love to have you back again uh, when your schedule permits, Jim. So hopefully we'll stay in touch over the years. Sounds good. All right. right. We want to give a a quick shout out to Weird Alma and thanks for his uh, donation of his music for this episode. He did our intro and outro music. Thank you so much again for ruminating with us on the great and spacious beehive. And remember, remember, no one hallowed hand can stop this podcast from progressing. When it comes to nicknames of the church, such as LDS Church, Mormon Church, to remove the Lord's name from the Lord's church is a major victory for Satan. 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 Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a being with no moral constraints. 
Our number one goal is to hurt The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints 